the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor to spend these minutes with you in the morning. Today is Monday, March the 2nd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 2nd, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain. For those of you who are not basketball fans, or if you don't follow professional basketball, Wilt Chamberlain was one of the greatest players that ever played the game of basketball. Seven feet tall, one of the first people that size that played in the NBA. Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in one game for the Philadelphia Warriors. They were playing against the New York Knicks. It's an NBA record that still stands. I mention that today because a friend, a close friend of mine actually, was the basketball player who was guarding Wilt Chamberlain when he made his 100 points. Daryl Emhoff played in the NBA for, I think it was 12 years. A great guy. He was big, but he wasn't quite 7 feet tall. I think he was 6, 10, or 11. But Daryl was a really committed Christian, and um, I knew him well for years. He passed away about three years ago, I think. And um, he often said he won gold medal, and he led the... um, I think it was Berkeley, the Cal, California, University of California, to the national championship when he played there when he was in college. And he just had accomplished a lot of things in his life. But he's, he used to laugh about it. But he said, the thing that I most remembered for is that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points against me. And he did. Will Chamberlain was having a great year that year. He averaged like 50 points a game or something. I don't know. But anyway. uh, The Associated Press says that is the most noteworthy thing in history today. I'm not sure that's true, but that's what they say. Today in 1776, Americans began shooting at the British, the troops, in Boston. Today in 1917, Puerto Ricans were granted U.S. citizenship. And today in 1853, the territory of Washington was organized. I might add that today in 1899, Mount Rainier National Park was established as a national park. I can't tell you how many pictures my dad took of us standing in front of Tiptu Lake with the Rainier in the background. That was his favorite place on this planet. He hadn't been a lot of places, but that was his favorite place, right there in front of Tiptu Lake with Mount Rainier in the background. It became... National Park today in 1899. Today in 1932, the 20th Amendment to the Constitution, it moved the date of the presidential inauguration from March 4 to January 20. It was passed by Congress, sent to the states for ratification. Today in 1939, the Massachusetts legislator voted to ratify the Bill of Rights. That was 147 years after the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution had gone into effect. Georgia and Connecticut soon followed. It took these states a long time to make up their mind. Today in 1940, the cartoon character Elmer Fudd made his debut in the Warner Brothers animated short film 
Elmer's Candid Camera. Now you know where that phrase came from, Candid Camera. It was used later on with a pretty popular TV show. Elmer Fudd, he had a Candid Camera before all those other people did. He was a title character. People really liked him. And he, he was pitted against a rascally rabbit, is the way they introduced it. The rascally rabbit didn't have a name. Later, that rabbit would become known as Bugs Bunny. I don't know if you needed to know that, but I got a smile out of it. And we need a smile in our world today. Today, in 1985, the government approved a screening test for AIDS that detected antibodies in the virus, allowing possible contaminated blood to be excluded from the blood supply. Today, in 1995, the Internet search engine, uh, Yahoo, it was incorporated by Jerry Yang and David Philo. And one year ago today, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont kicked off his 2020 presidential campaign. He proclaimed himself the Democrat best prepared to beat Donald Trump. On this same day, last year, speaking at a conservative conference in Washington, CPAC, which he spoke at again just this weekend, President Donald Trump really went after the policies of socialism, saying Democrats are out of touch with ordinary Americans. And he said there, and he has said since, Socialism will never, never be the policy in America as long as I'm president. Well, I believe that. I think most of us do. He's not much into socialism. We're living in difficult times. There's no question about that. Sometimes the fear can overcome the facts. We want to be really careful with that. Yeah, this virus is real. And it's attacking people, as you know, right here in Washington State and elsewhere, particularly here in Washington State. The second person has died, the only two so far in the nation in Washington State. I was thinking of Psalm 27. Most all of us know that psalm. If we are a Christian or read the Bible at all, I'll read it to you. From the King James, because if you're over 40, you probably memorized parts of the Bible, hopefully a lot of the Bible, from the King James Version, because some of the others came along later. But Psalm 21 begins with this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And I think it would be appropriate to say whom or what shall I fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Hebrews chapter 13 speaks to that as well. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We need the reassurance of God's word today. And the thing that I would advise you to do in this the beginning of what could get much worse before it gets better. In the beginning of this, it is an epidemic, but it is certainly, it could become that. We need to stay very close to the Word of God. We must be informed, and that's what we try to do on this program every day, is to keep you informed. 
I haven't spoken much about our budget, and I'm not going to today, but I can tell you we were several thousands of dollars behind at the end of February. I need your help. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I won't say any more about it today, but I thank you in advance. One of the outstanding professors of medicine, he's from New York University, Dr. Mark Siegel, probably talk about what he said yesterday more this week, but he made the comment, he said, I've been handling these emerging um, emerging contagions for about 20 years now, and I have to tell you, I've never seen one handled better. He said, I'm talking about President Donald Trump's administration. I would agree with him. There's much more there, but he made that statement to the press yesterday. Some of the press, of course, published it. Some, many, did not, because there is a politic in all of this. We'll talk about that as well, probably soon. King County, second man has died from the coronavirus. King County brought the total to 13 confirmed cases in Washington State. There are more. One man in his 70s is is the second person to die at Evergreen Health. He's among five new cases, were confirmed Sunday night, last night. Two women who are in their 80s and 90s remain in critical condition at the Kirkland Hospital. There's a a lot of people that travel in and out of the Seattle area, King County in particular. That's true across the United States, but particularly Washington State and particularly King County. Researchers say the virus may have been circulating for weeks undetected in the greater Seattle area. Associated Press put out an article nationally about that today. Some of the politicians in the state are speaking out. They should be, and they are. There's five other King County cases that were reported this past week. A man in his 60s in uh, Valley Medical Center in Renton, a man in his 60s who is in critical condition for Virginia Virginia Mason uh, Medical Center, Um, a woman 50s who traveled in her 50s traveled to South Korea. She's uh, recovering at home. There's a woman in her 70s who is a resident at Life Care in Kirkland, is hospitalized at Evergreen Health, and a woman in her 40s who is employed by Life Care. She remains hospitalized at Overlake Medical Center as well. There was another woman with the U.S. Postal Service. She's an employee in federal ways among 10 who tested positive for the, they're calling it COVID-19 now, C-O-V-I-D-19. It's the same thing. In consultation with the King County Public Health, we've been informed that the current risk to our employees, the post office is saying, is low. The safety and well-being of our employees is one of the highest priorities. Of course, everyone is saying that. It it should be, and it should be, for sure. But these, we're finding this as it moves forward. We're finding that it's probably not going to be humanly possible to contain this. But I can tell you that America, I have read extensively on this. I mean, I wouldn't say everything that's out there, but a lot of it. I spent a lot of time yesterday reviewing and over the weekend. And I I, want to be up on this because I don't want to say anything on this program that 
I'm not absolutely sure is, is correct, even if someone is speculating, at least I want to be accurate that they are speculating that and who they are and what their credentials are. We try um, very diligently to stay on the truth on this. And yes, I have a bias. I wouldn't do this program if I wasn't doing it because of my bias. My bias is that the Lord is the light, my light and my salvation. It's about Christianity in the culture. And even more importantly, it's about Christianity in the heart. And that's, we see a divide in our country today. There are those who claim to be Christian and they follow a form of religion or of godliness, but they deny the power of it. And that's one of the problems that's going on today in our culture. And nowhere is it more revealed in this presidential candidate, uh, campaign. I'm going to come back to that in a moment and talk to you about what we're seeing. It's an amazing, <laughs> I mean, really an amazing thing. But um, there's such hypocrisy. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention it and call it out. Again, that's why we do what we do. It was interesting Jason Rantz, he's a, a Rantz, he's a, a talk show host on another station, it's KTTH in Seattle. I don't know him personally, but I'm aware of what he says, and he seems like a pretty good guy. I'm sure someone listening knows him. I don't, but uh, he's on the mark. He's certainly a conservative, that's for sure. But boy, he really took on Governor Jay Inslee over his uh, put down, public put down of Vice President Mike Pence last week. I mentioned this on this program. I didn't say a lot about it, but Rance has really gone off on this. In fact, he was on Fox News the other night. They were, He was saying what he said on his radio show the other day. But Jay Inslee put out a, a, a tweet. Let me, let me get it here. Um, Jay Inslee said, this was last week. He said, I just received a call from Vice President Mike Pence thanking Washington State for our efforts to combat the uh, coronavirus. I told him our work would be more successful if the Trump administration stuck to the science and told the truth. Well, Jason got a hold of this, and he said on the air, he said a classless Governor Jay Inslee opted to push aside genuine concern over the coronavirus for a cheap and unnecessary shot at Vice President Mike Pence. Inslee says that Pence called to congratulate the governor on how well Washington was, has handled the coronavirus. The state saw the first case of the coronavirus and, and so on. And he went on to say that he thought the, the governor had no class in the way he responded to the vice president. Well, I would probably, I think I would agree with that. I mean, it wasn't that great of a response, really. I mean... Why did he feel the need to do that? You know, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows for sure. Except Dory Monson, who's interviewed me a number of times on the radio, or sometimes on the radio in the past. But uh, he picked up on this theme as well. He, he doesn't think Jay Inslee should have been doing that to the Vice President of the United States. He said, Monson said a new Jay Inslee tweet is so ridiculous on so many levels. And he posted this on his own Facebook or Twitter, I guess, and he talked about it on the radio. And then he said this, Monson, he said, did Inslee actually have the guts to say this to Pence on the phone, or is he boasting over nothing? 
He said, it's hard to say. Remember when the president had a bunch of governors at the White House? When Jay Inslee got the microphone, he said to Trump's face, less tweeting, more listening. Monson said he's pulled stupid little stunts like this before, but then again, we know Jay Inslee has lied many times before. So is this just another one? In other words, he's suggesting that maybe he didn't even do that. Maybe he's just saying he said that to the vice president. That's sad. It's really sad. But it's true, unfortunately. Pew released a poll, a survey, on Friday. The title of the poll, Democrats have a serious God problem. That's their words, not mine. They're reporting that although the Democrat candidates often talk about God's importance to them personally, the public doesn't believe them. Less than 10% see Biden, Buttigieg, Sanders, or Warren as very religious. Now, this poll was completed a few days ago. It was published Friday. Pete Buttigieg is included in the survey because he was in the race. Late last night, you may know, you may have heard, that Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the 2020 presidential race. Late last night. The main thing that he said, his followers were shocked, his supporters were shocked by what I've read. But here's what he had to say when he dropped out. Pete Buttigieg, the guy who has quoted more scripture, wrongly I might say, but quoted more scripture than a pastor does sometimes in the pulpit. Here's what Pete said as he withdrew, suspended, as they say, his campaign. He said, quote, We sent a message to every kid out there wondering if whatever marks them as different means that they are somehow destined to be less than. He said, to see that someone who once felt that exact same way can become a leading American presidential candidate with his husband at his side. Buttigieg um, had gone back to Indiana. He was introduced by his husband, Chastin, who immediately started crying. He said, after falling in love with Pete, Pete got me to believe in myself again. I told Pete to run because I knew there were other kids in this country who needed to believe in themselves. Buttigieg kissed Chaston briefly and embraced him after taking the stage to deliver his speech, Associated Press said. Buttigieg praised the diversity of the presidential field, but he said, we were never supposed to get anywhere at all. He said, hardly anybody knew my name and fewer could pronounce it. And he's, of course, referring to the fact that he's openly gay and married to a man. Buttigieg said he had the responsibility to drop out, allowing the remaining candidates a better chance to beat Donald Trump. I think my gut feeling is that certainly he could see the handwriting on the wall for the future of his candidacy, but I also think he's had a chat with one of the other candidates. And that that happens often. That's not unusual. My guess would be that he's going to probably hook up with one of the other candidates, which would have to be, I mean, probably Bloomberg, because Bloomberg is a so-called moderate. None of them are moderates. Pete has been called a moderate. He's as far left as you can get. He just 
has said he's a moderate so many times that the press is, is quoting him. He's not a moderate. If you look at the policies he holds, they're really extreme. They're far left. He just hasn't championed socialism because that's what Bernie is doing and Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren. So what's happening is people are starting to, to kind of hook up with each other in this campaign, and you're going to see a lot of politics going on, and we won't know what all has been said or done behind the scenes, but I've seen some of that in my lifetime, been actually close to it. I won't say more than that, but close. So I know this goes on, and I know there's deals being made right now to try to coalesce around a candidate. The Democratic Party do not want Bernie Sanders representing them. And they, I think they would probably feel today, I mean, I'm not talking to them, but I would assume they're feeling today that somehow Joe Biden has been resuscitated a bit, and they'll probably be deciding the Democratic Party between Joe Biden and Bloomberg, because I think they're pretty committed to seeing that Bernie doesn't win. However, if Bernie gets such a head of steam and momentum, as they say, he could override the party, I, su- I suppose, but they have a very convoluted way of choosing their candidate for the presidency. It's quite different than the Republican Party. I think it's I think the Republican Party is way, way better. I'm probably prejudiced, but I'm first and foremost a Christian and a conservative. Republicanism to me comes is quite a ways down down the list. To be honest with you, and as long as the Republican Party holds to the platform and the platform isn't fiddled with of what they believe and what they stand for, then I can be a Republican. If they change that, I I won't be. And I think millions of Americans feel the same way. It's very simple. We're not Republicans, and then that kind of orders our life. Our life is ordered by Christianity, by the Bible, by our relationship with Jesus Christ, and our life is ordered by those convictions, which are conservative values and biblical values. And the political party that comes close to that and embraces that and enhances that and tries to advance those, that's whom we identify with. So that's what's happening here today. The Democrat is made up very differently. I mean, it it really is. And so we'll see how this all shakes out over time. But I tell you, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg dropping out shocked a lot of people because they thought he was in it for the long haul. He kept saying that, but he didn't really mean it. But the report that Pew published on Friday, it says that Democrat, this is, this is Pew, not Pastor So-and-so, not Gary talking, Pew says, although the Democrat presidential candidates talk about how God has shaped their lives and their beliefs, including their political beliefs, the public doesn't believe them. And I got to tell you, I was kind of refreshed when I read that. It made me feel good because I thought, good, because they shouldn't be believed because they're not telling the truth. Their life does not bear the fruit. Oh, there's Gary judging. I'm judging their fruit. I'm not judging their heart. But I will tell you, that the fruit of, of a person's life is pretty much an indication of what's going on in their heart and mind. That's biblical. And as a pastor, I will tell you, I've had to make judgment calls on spirituality and spiritual matters throughout my lifetime. It's not an easy call, but it's a necessary call. And when I see Pew Research 
finding this after talking to thousands of Americans in their polling and survey was very interesting. There's a lot of facts in it, and I don't have time to go through it all today, but it's at faithandfreedom.us. You can see this article on that, and it's linked to the Pew Research, and it's got some insights there from other sources as well. Faithandfreedom.us. I wrote, wrote it overnight and published it early this morning. But a couple of weeks ago, Associated Press ran an article that said it was titled Gospel of Matthew's Message Rings Loudly for Some 2020 Dems. The entire article, in my opinion, was an attempt to say something like, this is Associated Press now, not Pew, to say something like, hey, all you biblical Christians out there who think Trump is your best bet, he isn't. These people are just like you. They're more spiritual than Donald Trump. They're quoting the Bible all the time. That's what I took from this Associated Press, but it was quoted all over the place. Associated Press noted that Pete Buttigieg, when he ran his first, he's out now, but when he ran his first TV ad in South Carolina, that was just a few days ago, its opening lines, Associated Press said, may have sounded familiar to a churchgoer. Buttigieg, they say, is hardly the first Democrat to invoke biblical verses on Matthew 25 and which Jesus Christ reminds his followers that their true measure comes from how they treat the least of these, my brethren. This is Associated Press. They go on to say that President Barack Obama quoted these passages, and and he did. He even created a network. It was called Matthew 25 Network to help attract Christians to his political campaign, and he did. Between 6 and 7 million self-identified evangelical Christians voted for him because they thought he was more spiritual than his opponent. AP says, but in this year's Democratic primary, where several candidates have routinely discussed faith, and they include in that uh, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, who's been out for quite a while. He talked about his faith all the time. And Associated Press then reaches beyond the current. They say even Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Carter were deeply spiritual people. They even try to connect Bernie who says he isn't religious, to the Bible. That's how badly the the media wants to create this narrative of spirituality on the left. And it may be a religious osity, but it's not biblical spirituality. And it's uncomfortable to call it out, so not many people are. But it is. Apparently, most people know that the compassion... The religious left talks about all the time really means to these people, open borders, lawlessness under the guise of sanctuary, and a further bloated federal government creating and expanding the welfare welfare state. That's what they mean when they talk about this. They do, if you listen to them carefully. If the press isn't listening carefully, they're just lifting talking points so they can publish it. God in his word teach that God's model is borders and national sovereignty abiding by the laws of the land, not what the left declares to be sanctuary cities and counties and states now. Charity charity is the biblical mandate, not welfare. Charity is personal. It's from the heart. It's not enforced by government decree through taxation. This is what these people are missing. Americans don't consider the Democrat candidates to be particularly religious because they're not particularly, they are religious but they're not biblical in their application. They support abortion. They support same-sex marriage. They, I mean, this just doesn't line up with a person who has a sense of what the Bible teaches. 
We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. There's much more to be said, but my article, again, I talked about Matthew 23 and what Jesus said about such things. It's very direct, as Jesus could be when he needed to be. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.